0: to continue now in our time of worship by opening up the word of God. And uh, today's scripture reading will actually be found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20 chapter 6 verses sorry, chapter 26 verses 6 to 16. La escritura de hoy va a estar en el libro de Mateo, capítulo 26, versículos 6 al 7. And just welcome to to everyone. Um, we can keep the lights on, actually, for the for the message. Um, and uh, welcome to everyone here in person, and those in worship online. We give you a very warm welcome this morning. And um, today we're gonna be in the Gospel of Matthew. And we're, actually, um, we're in this season where we're preparing for. Easter. And uh, that season is called Lent. And there's this tradition that's been used throughout the people of God, throughout history and throughout the world. And it's actually um, a a tradition of during the reading of the gospel to be able to stand together as God's people as we read about the gospel, the life of our Lord Jesus. So I'm going to invite us, if you're able, to go ahead and stand. And we're going to read from Matthew. Chapter 26, verses 6 to 16. Let's hear now with open ears and open hearts from the Word of God. You can follow along in your Bibles or you can hear God's Word read aloud in the Scriptures this morning. It will be in the slides both here and online as well. Matthew chapter 6, chapter 26, beginning at verse 6. While Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of Simon the leper, A woman came to him with an alabaster jar, a very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. They were angry. They said, why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Verse 14, then one of the 12, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver, and from then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Can go ahead and have a seat and we'll pray. Lord Jesus, we come before you, Lord, reflecting and remembering the last week of your life, the last night of your life, Lord, that we read about in Matthew 26. And Lord, I just pray that you would give us eyes to hear and ears to listen to what it is that you have to say to us this morning, Lord. God, right now, we just uh, pray, God, as we prayed earlier for one another. We pray for our world, Lord Jesus. We lift up to you with heavy hearts, God, um, the, the people of Ukraine, Lord, who just weeks ago, there seemed to just be ordinary, going about ordinary lives, Lord, and now everything is flipped upside down. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, would you give them strength, give them a hope, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that they are never alone. You are with them. We as your people, Lord, we, we, we extend love, care, thoughts, and actions toward them as well, Lord. Lead us into loving actions, God. Lead us, even as a local church, to be able to respond in a way, Lord, that blesses and that brings you glory, God. Lord, when we don't know what to do, our eyes are on you, so Lord God, would you be the one to guide the path and guide the way and restore all things, Lord. I know these things to us are very bothersome, very disturbing, as they should be, Lord. It's a reminder that things are not as they ought to be, Lord. But that is the message of your Gospel, Lord, to restore all things together once again in Christ, Lord. And even though we don't see it now, Lord God, we know, Lord, that that is the eternal, living uh, resurrection hope that we have in you. That even death will not have the last word. That even war will not have the last word. That even aggression will not be the last action, Lord. Because of who you are and what we're remembering as we prepare for Easter, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, and we pray that you would speak to us in a fresh way this morning, God. Thank you that you are faithful. Thank you, Lord, for your church, for this body of believers, of sisters and brothers, Lord. And as we enter into your word this morning, God, fill us with what it is that you have to tell us this morning, God. We love you, God, and we just uh, pray all these things, Lord, and we trust that with you all things are possible, Lord. So speak to us in a way that is fresh and new this morning, Lord. We pray all of this in the faithful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, like I mentioned during the prayer, we're actually now entering into a very important season in the life of the church throughout history and throughout the world. This is a season called Lent. And Lent is the preparation for Easter. And the way we're going to be preparing for Easter together as a church community is through a series that we're calling The Last Night, where we're going to be reflecting on the last night, the last moments of Jesus before taking the cross. Have you ever asked yourself, um, what would you do if you knew that you only had 24 hours to live? Or if you knew that your last moments were just a day or two ahead of you? How would you spend those last 24 hours here on this earth? That's exactly what we get to read about in Matthew 26. Jesus knows that his mission was to come and fulfill his mission on the cross. And yet, we see in this passage, we see the way that Jesus spent his final moments before his death. He spent it being present with God, with his friends, showing up to what he needed to show up to. And we're going to be learning more and more about that throughout these next six weeks in Matthew 26. What Jesus does is he really has a way of turning our worlds right side up. Oftentimes we get so used to an upside down world, but we know that's not how things ought to be. But Jesus challenges all of that and he turns it right side up. One of those things that Jesus turns right side up is actually our pride. As humans, we have every single reason to be humble. And yet, oftentimes, we default to the attitude of pride. Jesus knew that, and, um, and that's why they're really, um, that, that's, that's one of the things Jesus came to do with his, thought, with his words and actions. He knew that there wasn't going to be long before he would meet his death On the cross and in this passage we read of some of the ways in which jesus chose to spend his time and energy before taking the cross and we'll be reflecting on how can we do the same just as jesus did again one of the things jesus is able to do is really turn right side up human pride and humble us the fact of the matter is that the vulnerability of humankind is inescapable really yet we have all kinds of things whether it's tv internet commercials life activities business, social media all of those things blasting at us constantly trying to convince us of the lie that we are the center of the world and that we actually have control if you notice, all advertisements, I remember someone once did a, a study of this, all advertisements that get us to buy stuff are actually all based on giving us control or a false sense of control. It, it's kind of interesting, actually. Yet all it takes is a day, a day in reality with interactions with other people to realize that that simply is not true. And we obsess with finding ways to mask or to hide our own weakness, our own vulnerability. You and I know at the bottom of our hearts that when the rubber hits the road at the end of the day, we are not in control. We've taken time to pray together as a church community, but even this past Thursday, I took some time to pray for Ukraine with a very good pastor friend of mine who came to visit and, um, and he ministers to some people from the Ukrainian diaspora here in the valley. And um, we just got to talk and pray a bit through that whole situation. And as a church, um, I'm grateful to say that we're going to be looking into how we can provide some support through our denomination, through RCA Global Mission who are taking some initiatives right now for our brothers and sisters, challenged and suffering out in Ukraine and those who have had to flee as well. So we'll be in touch with everyone on how we can move forward in that. Um, We'll be in conversation with some of our leaders. But think about that for a second. Two weeks ago, the people of Ukraine were living life just like you and me here today going about their ordinary business, their ordinary days, their ordinary jobs, and then suddenly everything changed. Then an invasion that was completely out of their control occurred and they are now responding to the reality that is right in front of them. People, again, that were established are now refugees. People that had ordinary jobs are now patrolling the streets. All it takes is just a moment, a situation, a circumstance, a choice made by ourselves, a choice made by someone else for something that seems to be completely normal to now completely change. What we consider normal is all just so feeble and vulnerable. All it takes is just one moment for that to completely change. Again, we're not in control Yet, we use all kinds of things like distraction, suppression, power, pride, aggressive behavior. All of those things arise from us trying to hide the reality of our weakness. Life has taught us some of these lessons, that we're in desperate need for God. And as much as we want to convince ourselves of our own power of ordinary life, it seems to remind us every single day of our own vulnerability, of our own lack of control, of our own interdependence on other people. This is actually a hard truth that the Scripture has a way of reminding us of And Jesus, even in his last week, last few moments before taking the cross, reminds us of this as well. It's the same everyday reality that we encounter when dealing with people, places, and outcomes. And it's the fact that we are so much more vulnerable. We are so much more dependent. We're not as self-sufficient as we like to think we are. Again, we're so much more powerless than we want to admit, but the flip side of that same coin, just like we pray every single week during confession, the flip side of our powerlessness is God's power. God is so much more powerful than we want to admit. That's part of what we pray every single week. Brother Danny Let us in that this week, prayer of confession that's simply telling The truth about God and ourselves. It's really God who is at the core of our desire. Yet again, we want to fill that God-sized desire with all kinds of things that will only work until they don't. Things like comfort, success, denial, authority, heavy hand, education, power, all the distraction, busyness, right? But it's actually into this conversation about the nature of power and powerlessness and greatness and vulnerability that we enter into the Scripture for this morning. Understanding our power and God's power. That's part of what we see in this amazing moment of Jesus being anointed in a place called Bethany by a nameless woman who was faithful in her call. Let's go ahead and open up our Bibles once again there. Matthew 26 verse 6 and have it up on the screen please. It says this, it says, while Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. Then Jesus goes on to explain what this was all about. In verse 12, it says this, When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached, throughout the world, what she has done, what this woman has done, will also be told in memory of her. Wow what's going on here? We don't know much about this story. We actually do not even know this woman's name, but we do know that this encounter that this woman had with Jesus is actually one of the only moments that is highlighted in all four Gospels in the biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all remind us of Jesus being anointed at Bethany by a faithful woman. Just as she was, she used what was in front of her. She used what was within her power, and she gave that all to Jesus. This woman who goes nameless would it perhaps be viewed by many as powerless. In fact, that's what the disciples thought. That's what Judas, who was among them, he thought the same thing too. He thought this woman is powerless. She doesn't know what she's doing. We read about this in verse eight. Let's go ahead and open up to 26, verse eight. Vamos um, a leer la escritura aquí. 26, verse eight. It says this. It says, when the disciples saw this, They were indignant, that means they were really angry, they were really mad, and they asked, why this waste? This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. The disciples, including Judas, who was around them at that moment, they viewed this nameless, faithful woman as powerless. So what did they do in that situation? They tried to mansplain has anyone ever heard of that phrase before? That's when men tried to do that thing of just explaining how something should work or not work. Danny's heard it before. They tried to mansplain. They tried to explain away, excuse the situation to her and to Jesus. But what does Jesus say here? Jesus says, no, no. Enough of your explanations. Enough of your excuses. This woman is not powerless. She is empowered by me, says Jesus. Sisters, women of God, women of courage and virtue here at Imago Church, hear the word of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just as he spoke to the woman at Bethany, he speaks to you this morning. Our Lord knows the challenges of womanhood. You are created in the image of God. And I know, the Lord knows, there's a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of pressure to be like this or to look like that or to think like this. But Jesus knows all of that And just like he silenced the noise of all the men and all of the critics before this faithful woman in Bethany, I pray that you would also allow Jesus to silence the noise and the critic in your head and the noise and the critics around you. Jesus says, no, enough of the noise. This woman is not powerless, but she is empowered By me, precious sisters, faithful women of God, here at Imago Church and those tuning in online, you are not powerless. You are empowered by the Lord. Don't take it up with me. Take it up with Jesus. And for all of us, brothers and sisters, If you've ever felt powerless and invisible to others, nameless to others, we can do just as the faithful woman at Bethany did. She took what she had, the simple perfume, the simple alabaster jar, and she gave that to Jesus. She did not have much, but she made much of Jesus. And we can do the same. She took the action, and Jesus took care of the outcome. We can all do the same in this season of Lent as we're preparing for Easter. Because part of going the next level in our faith is consistently abiding in the reality that God is God and we are not. That's what this woman knew. Dios es Dios y nosotros no lo somos. The woman at Bethany was aware of this. The disciples in the moment, they weren't. They were actually trying to tell Jesus what to do with that gift that was given to him. They were saying, oh no, Jesus, that's not practical. You should use the perfume and sell it even for good reasons, right? They gave very good reasons to do that. They're trying to tell Jesus what to do instead of yielding to what Jesus was doing right in front of them. How about us with our plans? Maybe we, instead of trying to tell Jesus what to do, we can yield to what Jesus is doing in our life. Friends, brothers, sisters, our lives will thrive when we live fully human lives with a joyful recognition that we are in God's world. This is God's world and we live in it. It's not the other way around. Though oftentimes we want to live that way. This is our world and God is just a part of it. Nope. Reality and consequences will remind us that that is not the truth. Jesus has actually been telling his disciples that he's going to die. Those that were around him, they knew that he was getting ready to take up the cross, but somehow they still don't get it. Jesus is going to die, and his death won't just be some kind of messy accident but his death is actually going to be the way in w- when he takes up the cross his death on the cross will be the way that he becomes king and the kingdom will come with a power but with a power that is new and redefined and different and it is exactly this new definition of power this new definition of kingdom and authority that is the whole point of the ministry Of Jesus here on earth the disciples in this passage they're like us they're not thinking as humans sorry they're not thinking as God does they're thinking as humans do they think that pouring that perfume on Jesus that that doesn't make logical sense why would you even do that that's not even practical that's a waste of time How many things, right, do we convince ourselves of that? Things that would draw us closer to God, but we just excuse it away and say, oh, well, that doesn't make logical sense. That's not practical. All those are barriers that are keeping us from going to that next level of closeness and intimacy with the Lord because God is redefining power and greatness, and it's a power and greatness that goes beyond just practicality a power that goes beyond just using people or using things as a means to an end like the disciples tried to do, right, with the perfume there. It's a new kind of greatness, a new kind of leadership where, yes, God is great, and we sing about that every single Sunday. God is great, yet unlike any kind of greatness that you and I know or can even imagine, It's a new kind of greatness, God's kind of greatness, kingdom greatness is marked by self-giving love and sacrifice. Where our great Lord, our great leader, he lays down his life for the sake of all, including his own enemies. So when we sing how great thou art, how great is our God, it is to this kind of greatness that we are singing, that we are proclaiming. The greatness of a God who chose to die instead of living without us. He would rather die than live without us. That's God's greatness. Jesus challenges our ideas of what we think greatness and power and practicality and all of those things are. Jesus being anointed at Bethany By a nameless, faithful woman is actually God saying, you know what? I don't care about your titles. I don't care about your bigness and your flashy lights because greatness is now defined in a new way by self-giving love and sacrifice just as this woman who knew she couldn't do everything But she did something. She gave something. She started with what was right in front of her, and she gave that to Jesus. She didn't get overwhelmed by obsessively thinking or overanalyzing the situation. She just did the thing. She just took the action. She showed up, and God showed off. That's how it works. Not when we overcalculate the entire situation, but when we just give what we got to God and He takes care of the rest. Because here's the truth people can do big things, but the kingdom of God works toward eternal things, not just big things. In verse 13, God ta- Jesus talks about how this simple moment has become an eternal moment. If you can open up your Bibles again or, or read along, verse 13, 26, 13, it says this. It says, truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. The disciples... We're talking about the big thing that she could have done. Instead, she focused on the eternal thing that God is doing right in front of her. She knew, just as other people of God have known throughout history. the truth is, when we humble ourselves as people, we know that no one person can do any great thing but we can all do small things with great love. That's the action that she took. How about for you? What's in your alabaster jar that you can just put before Jesus? How about for you? Do you want to partner with God to see the eternal things that God is doing in your life. Well, if that's the case, then start with what's in front of you. Just like this faithful woman did. Start with what's in front of you. Stop fantasizing about what could have been. Stop fearing what could be in the future one day. Remember, most of what we worry about never even happens. Instead, start right where you are, and God will meet you there. When we have an opportunity to show up, to serve, to just give to Jesus what's right in front of us, God will do incredible things. That's why even when we emphasize these things like this coming Friday, the worship night, the night of encounter, of remembering who God has been and who God is and what God will do, all of those things are just moments for us to enter into that eternal promise, that eternal reality that God is inviting us into. So please come, show up, and see God do incredible things together As God's people, we can be a reflection of God's kingdom in our everyday activities. Remember, this woman, all she was doing was hosting Jesus in her home. It wasn't this big parade or big event, but that simple moment became an eternal moment because in the kingdom of God, the great ones among us will not be the wealthiest, will not be the most intimidating or the most, you know, famous, but the greatest will be the ones who, like the woman with the alabaster jar, just give to Jesus what's right in front of them. Those who roll up their sleeves, those who show up when it's hard, and those who hold on to the Lord and just give it all to the Lord. The ones who show up when it's scary, when it's uncomfortable. What does that mean or look like for you, for us as a community in this season of rebuilding and of trusting God in moving forward? What does it look like for you here in the local church? What does it look like for you to just show up in your household, in your work, with your friends, with the family God has placed in your life? how can we be Jesus' people who give what we got right where we are? Who serve just as we are? A people who can be open to what God is up to, knowing that any ordinary moment has the power to be a holy and an eternal moment. In his final days before taking the cross, this is what Jesus did. This is how he chose to spend his time. He didn't necessarily have a bucket list and, you know, was doing all these incredible things. He could have done anything. But what did Jesus choose to do in his final moments? He showed up to ordinary moments. And he made them into holy moments and into eternal moments moments. This is who our God is. Our great King, who in His freedom and in His grace, He became like us so that we could be with God, so that we could be forever connected with God. So my prayer, in Mago Church, for those here, for those at home, my prayer is that through Him, through our Lord Jesus, we may live just like the King who came to serve and not be served. Our Lord who laid down His life in order that we may have new life. Together, as we prepare for this Easter season, may we trust in Jesus today more than we do in ourselves, more than we do in other people, circumstances, situations. And together as a community, let's enter into this new reality, God's reality of eternal moments and holy moments that begin here and now. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. And we look to you. Te damos gracias, Dios Santo. Nos enfocamos en ti. We focus on you this morning, Lord. And that's our prayer together as a community. Just as we are. Right with what we have in front of us. What's in front of you this morning? How can you give that to Jesus today? Give it to him. It doesn't have to be fancy it doesn't have to be big and flashy it doesn't have to be blasted but he knows you can give that to him even in the posture of your heart right now just give to him what's in front of you even in the posture of your hands you can open your hands and lay that before Jesus today friends brothers sisters What's inside your alabaster jar this morning or in this season that you can give to God and see Him do something new, something holy, something eternal? In your alabaster jar, is it your time? Is it your treasure? Is it your talents? Is it your spiritual gifts? today is the day to stop holding back. Stop hoarding. Stop thinking in terms of just practicality like the disciples who are around. Stop calculating it. Just give it to him. Give it to him and watch Jesus do something new. Something new in you. Something new through you. And something new around you help us Lord Jesus to reflect who you are both our servant and our savior God help us Lord to just catch this new vision that you have for a new reality a new creation a new world and may we follow you faithfully beginning with what's right in front of us and laying that down in your feet placing that on you. Thank you, God. Thank you for the gift of your word. We have been fed. We have been nourished, Lord. And Lord, we pray that now as we continue and we close out in worship and praise, which we experience your presence and power with us this morning. Receive it, Lord God, as a sweet aroma to you. Be glorified, God take our alabaster jars and do something new, do something beautiful, holy and eternal. We know you will because that's who you are. It's in the faithful name of Jesus that we pray, amen.